It's time now for episode 47, The Insecurity Show. Who put that thing in my internet? This week, we're discussing it, the Internet of Things and their vulnerabilities. Visit our website at in-security.org for show notes, past episodes, to leave comments, and more. Or follow us on Twitter at Insecurity Show. Send us email to feedback at in-security.org. My name is Max. And my name's Max. How you doing this week, buddy? Oh, hey there. How's it going? Hey. Fantastic. How are you? How's manager Matthew? Oh, so tired. It's so yeah. hard being, you know, responsible for things. I agree. But rewarding. Feels good. Yeah. Damn, it feels good to be a manager. <laughs> That's how the song goes. I'm pretty sure. What's news with you? A couple kids' birthdays. Oh, Actually, yeah. It's Evan, Evan's birthday today, which is reason why i'm late to this oh, happy birthday evan recording sesh he can't hear you had headphones and he's Mother in bed of pearl what's new with you work just busy busy with work yeah yeah that's about it soul crushing work i mean it's not soul crushing yet now it's basically training sort of i was wondering yes sir uh did you have any follow-up or housekeeping that we needed oh, to get boy. to in this episode um remember the last time we recorded yeah, it slipped in something about this poor child from Nova Scotia. Oh yeah, were you actually? I made you real angry. angry. Yeah. So there's some follow up on that. Okay. What what you got for me? Uh, essentially, the city did a. Oh yeah. No. No. Don't. We don't. We don't want to press charges anymore on that kid. Oh, uh, why not? Oh, because we messed up and included people's private information in public uh, freedom of information act stuff. So you're saying you don't want to press charges because basically you got caught. Yeah. Yeah. Everything we did was wrong. Um, and we tried to blame a 15 year old kid by sending a bunch of police officers in and then seized all his laptops. Oh, and his family still doesn't have access to their devices. Cool. 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 Yeah, we're pretty sure that that was the right thing to do. Yeah, no, totally not the right thing to do. Huh? What they're saying in the case of of this Nova Scotia thing Mm -hmm. is it was an act of gross negligence on the part of the province, quote unquote, from this article on Boing Boing by Cory Doctorow, which you'll be able to find at in-security.org slash EP047. There you go. Gross negligence. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, well, I mean, the the it was the piece that I was kind of interested in. Which it? The blaming it all on a 15-year-old kid, putting all of the publicly available information in an unsecured location? Which which it? Sending mm. the police over to his house? Yeah, I, w- I was imagining it encor- encompassed all of that. But mm. uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just the housing data publicly that shouldn't have been public. And indexable that shouldn't have been indexable like that. I would like them to make sure that they take responsibility for doing literally all of it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Oh, I also heard that it was um, indexed by Google because they didn't say no robots. So instead of just (laughs) using a wget script, you could have just downloaded it. There was like absolutely zero reason why it should have ended up with this kid as the fall guy other than maybe trying to cover their butt. That's pretty and impressive. Stray sound effect that we were talking about last time. Right. So there's other follow up. What? Yeah. How uh, are we missing so many of these stories? There was Intel. Remember last time when I said I was surprised that there was somebody that found something else? Yeah. With the speculative execution type 
flaws. Yep. I guess there's a whole bunch of those. I guess, I guess when I said, Hmm, you know, it was a little surprising that it was found so fast. That either means that, you know, these people are really good at research or else that there's a whole bunch of flaws that are just really surface level and easy. Uh, Not to discount the people that are doing the research, but I'm going to go with, there's a whole bunch of flaws that are surface level and easy, but how fast these things are coming out. There was another flaw for Intel facing eight new specter like vulnerabilities in its chip. Whoa. They were disclosed to Intel and then made public. And now this is presumably after the patches that have already been issued. So these are yes, additional further vulnerabilities. Oh, you got it. That's impressive. And yeah. so if these are, I guess, for lack of a better understanding on my part, if these are still the surface ones, the easily accessible ones, then who knows what, what lies when you start digging deep. Yeah, and, and these vulnerabilities are the new class that we had talked about. It still hasn't developed into full, like easy to deploy payloads that we know about. It still required some some extra knowledge to be able to get it to operate properly. There was timing attacks that were necessary that are tough to pull off. Now, that being said, some of the stuff that was exactly the same scenario for for Android flaws, those have come to pass and are now easy to execute. So there was a whole scenario of flaws for Android systems. Whoa. Okay. Does that include the Chromebooks that we were talking about last episode? Uh, no. So Chromebook should be quite a bit different. Okay. There's going to be a whole bunch more in this space as a playground for all. That's sad and unfortunate. Yeah. Is everything clean now or did we still have any other... I think you had some follow-up for Equifax. Uh, There's an article that we found for, and this may again be outdated, but uh, Equifax was releasing some of their, the full horrors of the monstrous cyber heist of its servers. And this was dated May 8th. And as we've been learning every couple of weeks, their numbers get grossly inflated because they find new and more impressive things that were stolen. The As of the May 8th one, they had 146 million people, 99 million addresses, 209,000 payment cards, 38,000 driver's license, and 3,200 passports that were all compromised. So that's pretty crazy. That is a lot. 27.3 million genders, 20.3 million phone numbers, 17.6 email addresses, 18 million driver's license states, 97,500 tax identification numbers, and 3,000 other identification cards. So, you know, that's uh, that's a fair amount of, of personal private information gone gone missing. Yeah, and there's a the register article as well that covers Equifax in some of those same summary details. Mm-hmm. They mentioned that as of February's RSA conference in San Francisco, Derek Weeks of Sonotype claims thousands of companies continue to download vulnerable versions of struts, which is how Equifax got compromised in the first place. Right. It looks like there's one more piece of follow-up here going about facebook yeah yeah facebook gosh facebook so facebook if you'll recall had a little bit of a kerfuffle about selling 
personal information about the their um, product, I mean, users of Facebook to... I see what you did there. Uh, you know, the companies that, that paid for access to people's personal information. So then they said in 2015, they closed that hole and they fixed that. No more problems, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Facebook's numbers have been in slight decline over the years with especially the youth being about like half of the users that it used to be. Right. Uh, So it's not getting the new fresh users anymore. I'm not saying it's related, but Facebook made deals with telephone manufacturers like my Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus, where now Facebook is an app that comes on the phone. Right. So they made a deal with manufacturer to get it there, apparently, which includes that manufacturer being able to access not only the user of the phone's information, but also their friend's information and political leanings and all of those things they've just gotten in tremendous trouble for over the Cambridge Analytica spat. Right. When you say they said that they closed that back in 2015, you mean they said that in front of a congressional hearing? Exactly. Um, That little thing. Yeah. So apparently... He wasn't under oath. Oh. I don't know whether that's true or not. I read that. I believe I read that somewhere on Reddit. And I think that if that's the case, like that's if that's the distinction that yeah. is being made. So the company is claiming that they had airtight locked down deals with these companies, mm-hmm. which is just essentially a contract that we've seen other people violate and not come into any trouble whatsoever because there was no sort of monitoring until way after the fact, once the horses have all fled. Right. Facebook has been locking down things that are similar to apps like the Cambridge Analytica research app that people were using that let them gain access to memory serves 81 million records on people. But uh, but yeah, now they have 60 manufacturers that supposedly could access this information if they wanted to. Cool. Good job. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, great. All right. Let's this is. I, I feel like we're just muddying the waters here. We're not cleaning up anything. Our housekeeping is is sort of just more bad news piled on top of more bad news. So I, 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 I had a Toronto area security clutch that I went to and somebody there listened to our podcast and he's like, hey, yeah, so that was a pretty tinfoily hat kind of episode last time. And uh, to which I responded, eh. <laughs> it's not really tinfoily hatty. It, it's the news. It's It's how things are being done. Yeah, right? we're not exaggerating or coming to any sort of grasping for other conclusions. And then you see Facebook make deals with phone manufacturers, which give the phone manufacturers access to the users of their app and all the friends of the users of their app information. Yeah. Like it's not it's not tinfoil hat. It's just that's their modus operandi. And it has been forever. So whatever. It's the more you know. <laughs> right. So once you understand the climate in which you're operating in, then you can make choices. Do you want to allow people to have your privacy information because you think privacy is dead? Then fine. That That's up to you. I just do it on an informed basis. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get comfortable and let's let's do a, a new episode. Um, one sec. Let me just get comfortable. Alexa, turn off the lights. Alexa, turn off the lights. Uh, okay, hold on. Okay, Google, tell Alexa to turn off the lights. All right, I, I, it's not working. What, what's the uh, the episode about? 
this episode is about uh, Internet of Segways. Oh, I mean, uh, Internet of Things. What? It's almost like I pre-prepared that whole goof. Oh, you turned off the lights. I had to do it manually. What the? Jeez. Right. In my day, <laughs> we had a wand. It's a long stick you could use to hit the lights off. Oh, almost made you spit out your drink. Yeah. Yeah. So Internet of Things. What is Internet of Things? Well, what it's not is it's not phones. It's not computers. It's not network gear like switches or routers. What Internet of Things is, is pretty much any other sort of appliance that's just plunked there speaking to the Internet. So your printer would be an Internet of Thing. I have a Raspberry Pi that I've used to control a fridge that controls the fermentation temperature of a, of a fridge for making beer. That is an Internet of Thing device. I have any an sort of Arduino that I built to uh, water my plant and I had it networked for a little while just so that I could monitor how my plant was doing for a bit. That was an internet of thing. Absolutely. Whole cities have smart grids, which are controlling the flow of traffic lights. That's an, those are all internet of thing devices, each traffic light and their controllers there. Pipelines that deliver oil across, knowing when to open and close the gates. Those are just on the internet. It's an internet of thing device. I'll tell you another thing the internet of things devices aren't. Secure. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of trouble of Internet of Thing devices getting compromised. And why are Internet of Things devices getting compromised? Because usually they come with default usernames and passwords, which are trivial to guess, trivial to get to remote access to, and then you can add your own code onto it. Or they're just straight up vulnerable, and you can inject your own thing into it. A long while ago, there was H.D. Moore, who's a famous guy who created a um, the Metasploit framework, and he would scan the Internet for devices and he would put up reports as to what he found on the Internet. And he would do a little bit of preliminary vulnerability assessment when he scanned something, it would come back and it would say based on its header that it returned to him what the device was, what version it was and that kind of thing. Right. So within the show notes, I included a screenshot of most recent scan that I did of VXWorks, which is the same vulnerability that he found on satellites in orbit that had vulnerable version of VXWorks. Okay. And VXWorks is like a small operating system for an Internet of Thing type of device. And it gets you when you remote connect to it, direct access to the memory of the system where you can then issue commands directly to the system and read results directly of the system while you're remote. So in my scan, I guess this was a couple of weeks ago, there was 17 and a half thousand devices that had been scanned by the Shodan utility that looks for what is publicly facing the internet. Right. That were active. In Canada, there was 145 devices. And if you look at the screenshot, you will see within it direct connection stuff, okay. FTP servers on it. And yeah, just 
general things that I've played with before after f- hearing about the uh, satellites that were vulnerable to it because oh. I had found it in my workplace after finding out about it back in the day. And I just connected to, I think it was a printer, like an industrial printer or industrial scanner of some sort. And I could just manipulate the memory directly through its VXWorks operating system. That is stunning. So what people have found out that is fun to do with it is use the vulnerabilities of default username and passwords or absolutely no credentials on it and direct accessing of commands to them over the internet for those that are vulnerable to that to do things like massive denial of service attacks. Right. Uh, Let me just check what the record is for denial of service attack right now. See, as of March 1st, GitHub was attacked by a denial of service attack that was the biggest at that time. Do, do, do 1.2 terabits per second. Wow. 1.2 terabits per second. That is an insane amount of traffic. Yeah. Um, and there was, I think there was something even more current than that. I just can't find it from initial Googling. That is like absolutely mind numbing. And it's essentially using Internet of Thing devices to do reflective attacks based on weak protocols that amplify the amount of traffic given to them. So you find a list of all these vulnerable systems. You maybe get a bunch of people to launch an attack at the same time using those systems to reflect the information you send to it so that it replies multiple times. Right. And you spoof where you're coming from if it's using something like UDP, where it'll reply back in a massive wave. There's an old, old protocol on some Linux-based, Unix-based machines that would generate characters if you connected to it so that you would just get like random characters back at you. Right. And that was usable to make an amplification attack for doing denial of service. Uh, There's a... 179.66 179.66 increase in the total number of DDoS attacks. UDP packet, uh, UDP packets on port 19. We'll do the character generation attack. There was a network time protocol one that was super bad recently. People are actually looking for these now and, and discovering that there's uh, these amplification attacks and trying to deal with them. It's not new. It's now being used to do these giant attacks based on internet things devices. Right. So one of the problems as I see it is as these devices become more and more popular, you start getting more and more people making them or trying to rush to market with them. And it's this rush to market, the race to the bottom, I think they call it where you need to make it cost effective and you need to make it fast and you need to get it to market. So they're not taking the time to actually develop or follow any proper security protocols. They're simply making sure that it connects to the internet. Yeah. Um, and that that's what's leaving all of these devices out there that are becoming more and more vulnerable, right? Right. Now, your controller that would water your plants and just would happen to reach out to the internet and, and let you have a view of it, mm-hmm. that was in your internal network. Yes. So that wasn't directly accessible to the internet because you have a firewall. Correct. So then everything's safe, right? Well, probably not. I'm guessing that you're leading us down a, uh, a, a I'm guessing that this is a trick. It's a trap. It's a trap. Um, yeah. So there was a casino recently that had its fish tank 
internet connected, which caused enough of a foot in the door wedge that allowed people to compromise the internal network through it. When you have a, a weakness in the chain that's directly accessible to the internet, even just by reading stuff off of the internet, uh, it can it can have disastrous effects over a business. I this was the the fish tank that had a thermometer, an Internet of Things internet connected thermometer, so that they could monitor the temperature of the uh, of the water and stuff. I think, right? Yes, sir. You are correct. Oh uh, yeah. I think as a result, the casino that was compromised ended up losing their high roller database. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds like that's worth quite a bit of money. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Now, any one, any other casino can effectively get a hold of their connections and their entire list of all of their whales. I think it's called. I've, <laughs> I've watched oceans 11 a few times. Yeah. So there's a, there's an attack called like instead of phishing where you're going after like individuals through email and trying to convince them to do stuff. There's a, there's an attack called whaling where oh, yeah. you go after like the executives of a company. Hmm. High rollers might fit in with that uh, description. That's clever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the only people that have comp- been compromised through the devices. But, you know, it's it's an example, which is why when you have Internet of Things devices, you need to actually think of it like another type of computer you need to actually go about patching it if there's firmware available you need to go about installing that and because it's probably not as robust as computers you probably need to buy another device and test it on another device first before you put it out on the thing that's actually keeping you connected to the internet right right just to minimize the risk of of something going wrong there's vendors for Internet of Things devices, Internet of Things devices have been around for a while and some of the companies have gone out of business. So then if the company's out of business, you got to make a risk-based decision of how to protect that actual device from affecting the rest of your network because it's probably not going to get another patch. Right. It's not going to be able, you're not going to be able to actually do the firm load upgrade on that. And firm load upgrades based on all these different devices, they're handled in different ways. And Some are going to be simple and some are going to be super complicated. So another thing that you can do is architect your environment where your Internet of Thing device isn't attached to everything else. If you want your thermometer telling you what the temperature is of the fish tank, then you either have a secure way of getting to that, not exposing it directly to the Internet. Right. Or if you are going to expose it directly to the Internet and have it susceptible to attacks because... Who would want to own my fish tank, right? Then you segment it off from a network design. You have your Internet of Things devices not at the same network where your big computers are. Right. So then I can monitor my my plant and still uh, use my machine, my my whole Internet computer setup uh, in relative safety. Absolutely. I say relative because we've done 47 episodes of the show. So. so what? That's it. Just I... I've learned that it's only oh. it's only going to be relative. Right. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Uh, you can never be safe from everything. Um, but you certainly can minimize your risk by doing the proper health and upkeep hygiene type stuff. Right. And making sure that your Apple TV isn't on the same network as you know, your corporate assets and that my beer fermenting fridge isn't on the same thing. My Nest thermostat and all of those things that have been compromised. Oh, one of the 
employees that I work with came over to their boss's house and uh, had they had a Nest thermostat. They spent a little bit of time playing with that. They got the COO's whose house it was Gmail account information out of the thermostat. So you might even want to create a separate account huh. and not tie it to your main account that you do everything with for your Internet of Things devices. Now, this guy's a pen tester and he's super smart and he spent like maybe two hours doing it. Right. Um, that's very impressive. Pretty scary. Yeah. So there's multiple layers, right? There's layers that you might not think of, which is, hey, it's a Google device. It's asking me for my Gmail account credentials to put in rather than directly putting in my, you know, Google suite credentials that I use for work and everything else. Maybe I should create a separate account, which Google lets you do very easily and freely. Right. Internet of things at in-security.org. <laughs> is that a new email address? That's yeah, our new email address. Nice. Hack our toasters at IOT at in-security.org. Please don't. Well, send us email to there and then we can see all the toaster attacks. Well, nothing's going to work through that. I don't know. It took me forever to set up feedback. Jeez. We can't, we can't pitch that address. Muddying the waters. Uh, Oh, well, send all your toaster attacks to feedback at (laughs) in-security.org. Toast hack at in-security. Speaking of scary... Mm-hmm. The Internet of Things security is so bad that there's a search engine for sleeping kids. Ah, yes. So this is the Shodan guy again? So Shodan is a utility. If you go to Shodan.io, okay. there's a utility and it just scans and gets like metadata on the things that are answering and responding to the Internet. Right. So this is where you can find open databases. It'll it'll it's queryable by like protocol. So you can say, hey, I want to find like all databases or the header in its response. You can say, hey, I want to find all Apache web servers or VXWorks as I did in my search that you can find in the show notes. Anything like that. It's just um, they go ahead and they scan what's accessible to the internet, get some basic data out of it, and then you can do queries through it. And it's kind of like a big data type mining of the information. So you can see telemetry information on how many video cameras are attached to the internet or something like that. Okay. Because they have the way of actually specifying the device that you're searching for, they have people have realized that one of the things that reports what they are are baby monitors with built-in webcams. Yeah. So there's a variety of different baby monitors where it will allow you to not only listen for your kid, but also watch your kid. And what has happened is this has effectively become a search engine for ways to look at people's insecure baby monitors, or at least that's what some people have used it for. Wow. There's a link in the article that's in our show notes at in-security.org slash EP047. And it has this article and it also gives a link uh, within the article to images.shodan.io. Okay. Go check that out right now. Me? Yep. It wants me to log in. If you just go to HTTPS colon slash slash images dot dot io yeah it wants me to log in oh nuts um i see lots of login panels i see pasak river i see what looks like parking pay terminal booths which couldn't have people paying with credit cards at the by any chance i see a reception desk with a security guard at it i see what looks like 
fencing, traffic lights, school lab, and some natty beaver engine room. A natty beaver engine room? Yeah. It's like a giant engine. It looks like it controls something like water flow or huh. something like that. That's yeah. startling. Yeah, probably not the best. And so are these things uh, updating? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is like just a an aggregation of insecure webcams, not necessarily just baby monitors, but any sort of internet facing webcam. Yeah, it seems like that. Where the uh login credentials have presumably not been changed, or would this be ones that had security vulnerabilities? Uh these are probably just not not changed. Okay. I guess the first step is going to be if there's a default password, make sure that you change it. Yes, absolutely. Default passwords have to change. If you are given a password through email or whatever based on opening up a service, change that password as well. Right? right. And use a password manager. It's so easy, it's so accessible now, practically free if it's not free, then yeah, just use a good one, I should say. So use LastPass, use uh, one password, or use Password Safe as uh, an offline utility that does pretty much the same thing. Okay. Uh, second line of defense, segregate it from the network. Third line of defense, patch it if possible. If you patch it, check and make sure that you don't have to reset the password again. Fourth line of defense, just occasionally look over your plant and see if it looks real thirsty. Yeah. And then you can just go water it or, you know, dunk your, dunk your hand in the fish tank occasionally. If they, if they're a uh, little icicle fish, it might be too cold. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm pretty happy with my internet of things stuff and my robots controlling my beer fermentation, make sure that it's the right temperature and everything is going swimmingly. I am not saying don't use it. I'm saying just try and make it real secure. Uh, Cause obviously I like playing with them. That's why I, I set them up. Yes, and if and if you down. use like a good Internet of Things device, it will probably have an auto update feature. So right. like the Google Nest stuff that I have auto updates, pretty happy with that. Cool. But these are small, cheap appliances. They're pretty flaky. So make sure that you have the adequate stuff. So like my fermentation fridge has it's a Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pis do very poorly in power outages. And I've been having power outages every like little brownouts every once in a while for oh no you know once a month for a while and finally it just killed my Raspberry Pi's SD card micro SD card so I had to buy a new one and it's like the fourth time it's happened and it almost screwed up another brew day and the month that I have to wait for fermenting a lager so I um I bought a UPS to act as a okay. redundant power source for it right and maybe you'll have to do that for your thing so. Nest video cameras. Maybe you want those on a on a UPS as well, so that if the power fails, then they can keep on chugging through it for a little bit. Depends on your use case, right? If you have security cameras for security reasons and you're afraid of somebody cutting your power main, then have backup. Was it last episode that we talked about Chromebook? Or sorry, not Chrome, the Chrome password storage? Uh, it, we talked about password storage probably two episodes ago, I think. Okay. And the way that it's been identified as insecure? Yeah. 
but all browsers do that. If you have your browser remember your password for you, then it's essentially saving it in in a clear text file. Okay. I think that was all we had for this week. Yes, it is. Cool. That's all for this week. So I want to thank you for coming on and having a great episode with me. I want to thank Dennis Cranin for the use of our theme song. And you can always check out his stuff at soundcloud.com slash Dennis, D-E-N-I-S dash Cranin, K-R-E-Y-N-I-N. That sounds like a nice thing to do. You know what else is a nice thing for you to do? What's that? Have yourself a great week. Oh man. You have yourself a great week too. 